Blog Talk Radio.
Good morning, my friends. The opening music was by Salve Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Salve. You'll love this CD. It has many, many spiritual songs of Native American instruments and Gregorian chanting, unlike anything you've ever heard. So if you like this kind of music, I you can get a copy by contacting Salve, S-A-V, as in Victor, A-E, dot org. Oh, and they're also available on Facebook, and they do live shows, so you can go call 210-573-6335 to find out when their next show is. You can also listen to them for free on YouTube, and also you can get their CD on Amazon. That's where I got mine. I'm your host, Reverend Sean McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to the Sacred Sundays. Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open-minded platform that focuses on the tenant. This Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer, and we do our Bible reading. All faiths are welcome. I personally am a Christian in recovery, and all my Bible readings are going to be out of my Ryrie, R-Y-R-I-E, study Bible. But you, of course, may use any Bible you wish. Um, I've had many spiritual experiences that God blessed me in many, many, many ways and continues to do so on a moment-by-moment basis. So in gratitude, we have ongoing Bible readings every Sunday morning. And at time to time, discuss our spiritual experiences. And we're just focused on being our real selves and just uh, carrying the message and uh, just having a peaceful moment on Sunday mornings. Call The call number is 619-924-9744. Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday at 11 a.m. Now let's do our opening prayer and say together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. During that prayer, I I just suddenly felt, you know, the spirits from the other side and the angels were here with us today and watching over what we do, and they, they help us to the other side, and I want to thank God for that. And we pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide. What is going on in this world? I don't know. I'm, I'm frustrated. Their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. And we pray for all suffering from the violence here at home and abroad. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own home and from freedom from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against evil worldwide and protect people and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to all who suffer in the world, including the little animals that can't speak for themselves. We pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. We have many decisions to make, and we're praying for all countries for the problem of suffering all over the world. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Please watch over, everybody. We ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care and be full in the knowledge of what he gives us and try to understand what's going on here on earth. And we know that we're fighting against evil and and places and high places and low. But we ask that we pray together. We make a difference and make change things around. We ask this in Jesus' name. Protect us and everyone in our families. We're all in our prayers. Amen. Happy birthday to everybody who has a 
birthday or anniversary today. God bless you. Happy birthday for a blessed birthday and a very prosperous year ahead. My son's birthday was January 10th. That was yesterday. So, Michael, I wish you a very happy birthday. God bless you for much prosperity and happiness. Uh, he's a hard worker and he will deserve it. God bless you, Micah. He's in New York. Um, also, anybody has any special announcements? If you let me know ahead of time, I can uh, say your special birthday on the air or your anniversary or any other positive uh, message. Uh, I'd, I'd love to put it on the air, so just let me know. And we have, if you have a special prayer request or a positive intention, you can also let me know this morning by calling in 619-924-9744. There's also a couple of resources if you don't have a Bible with you. Uh, you can go to www.biblegateway.com or www.biblia.com, which is my favorite spot on the, there. And we have just finished uh, our uh, Acts. We went through the whole thing, and uh, at the end, you know, uh, Paul was on the boat sailing to Rome, and that's where we left off. And uh, it was quite uh, dramatic and interesting that everybody survived the shipwreck once they got there. And now we're going to Romans now. This is very interesting because it's actually a letter. So we're going to be actually looking over the shoulder of St. Paul as he's writing a letter to, in, to Rome. And uh, uh, let's read the occasion of the letter that Paul was anxious to minister in his church that was already widely known. So he wrote a letter to prepare the way for his visit. And it was written from Corinth where Paul was completing the collection for the poor in Palestine. From there, he went to Jerusalem to deliver the money, intending to continue on to Rome. And from there, he went to Jerusalem and to Spain. These plans were, of course, changed by his arrest in Jerusalem again, though Paul did eventually get to Rome as a prisoner. Phoebe, who belonged to the church of the Centuria near Corinth, probably carried the letter to Rome. So we're, we're understanding at this point that Paul wrote the letter and Phoebe carried it to Rome. Um... The mention, the question about chapter 16, well, we're not getting to that yet, but uh, the mention by name of 26 people in the church Paul had never visited, particularly Priscilla and Aquila, were most recently associated with Ephesus, that's Acts 18.18, has caused some scholars to consider chapter 16 as part of an epistle sent to Ephesus. It would be natural, however, for Paul to mention to a church to which he was a stranger, his acquaintance with mutual friends. Paul's only other long series of greetings is in Colossians, a letter also sent to a church he had not visited. So he was writing letters to church. It couldn't be everybody at once, I don't think. But anyway, contents. More formal than Paul's other letters, Romans sets forth the doctrine of justification by faith and its ramifications in a systematic way. The theme of the epistle is the righteousness of God. A number of basic Christian doctrines are discussed natural revelation, universality of sin, justification, propitiation, uh, faith, origin of sin, union with Christ, the election and rejection of Israel, spiritual gifts, and respect for the government. So that's what we're going to start reading. And um, Let's see. Let's start here. So everybody get your Bibles out. Now we're at Romans 1, and we're starting at 1. The Salutation and statement. Reading, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, 
which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the, from the dead, according to the Spirit of Holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of the faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all those who are beloved of God in Rome, call as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the world today. For God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of the Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers making a request, if perhaps now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us, by others' faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far, so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the, to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, Be the righteous, man shall live by faith. Righteous is needed in the condemnation of sin. This, okay, so then it's saying, A, it's the condemnation of the Gentile, the cause of the condemnation, will for ignorance. Hmm, let's think about will for ignorance. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. You suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because of that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew in God that they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Now he's talking about the consequences of condemnation and divine amendment. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and for worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Wow. Okay, so let's read this again because this is so important. Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their heart to impurity, so that their bodies would be a dishonored among them. 
So you let them do, okay, you want to do it? Go ahead then. For they exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Wow. Who is the blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife and deceit, malice. They are the gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Now, if we just went through this list, we can actually tell them by the fruits. Okay, let's finish it, because this is very unnerving. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So we have to be careful here. You know, everybody has to stay pure in their hearts and stay away from things that are wrong. And let's see. Let's read this again because it's, he's actually lining what, uh, what we're talking about here. God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which were not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are all gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. You know, I think 31 is a powerful one here, without understanding untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Wow. Okay, so Paul's not pulling any punches here. Okay, so I'm going to read this over again. 1-1, one, one, bond servant, literally saved. From a word that means to bind, the believer who voluntarily takes the position of slave to Christ has no right to will of his own. He does always and only the will of his master. For his part, the Lord binds himself to the care of his servant. And the meaning and qualifications are in Matthew. Anyone if you want to read the notes. I'm just reading the notes pertaining to this. The gospel is the good news that the death of Jesus Christ provided the payment of the penalty for sin and that anyone who trusts that living Christ is forgiven and has turned to life. Okay, born the descendant of David according to the flesh. Jesus was descended from David. And then Jesus was designated and proved to be the, the Son of God by his own resurrection from the dead. Some understand, according to the spirit of holiness, to refer to the Holy Spirit, whereas others consider it a reference to Christ's own holy being. Thus the verse may be understood this way. The resurrection of Christ, Jesus, is the mighty proof of his deity, and this is declared by the Holy Spirit. Okay, now we're up to one five. Obedience of faith. Either obedience that leads to initial faith, 
Act 6-7, or obedience that results from faith. The called, those who have been summoned to God to salvation. The saints, this one word means holy ones or set apart ones. The New Testament designates all believers as saints because they are position of holy and set apart from God to God. Make a request, arrest, trial, and two years were languishing in prison and shipwreck intervened before Paul's prayer was answered. Okay, 111, the exercise of his gifts for their benefit. The Greeks, those who spoke Greek and who adopted Hellenistic, Hellenistic culture in contrast to the barbarians who had not. However, in verse 16, Greek means Gentile, another wise, ed- educated person. Uh, 116, salvation has three facets, past salvation from the penalties of sin, present salvation from the power of sin by the, in daily life, and future salvation from the actual presence of sin. And this salvation comes to anyone who believes. We receive and experience it through faith, which is both the ascent to the truth of the gospel and genuine confidence in the Savior himself. To the Jew first, a chronological priority that Paul followed in his ministry, but that Jewish rejection abrogated so that Paul and others turned to the Gentiles. That's something... The restoration of the right relations between man and God, which proceeds from the Father's God's gift to his Son. And then it's talking, and it has a bunch of notes here uh, from other passages. And Paul is emphasizing that one can be righteous in God's sight only through faith. And that he who is just through faith shall live now and forever by faith. Okay, so then he's going on. Uh, verses 16 17, the essence of Paul's theology. Believe in Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Okay, from here to 3.20 is God's indictment of the world. So that's why he turned harsh in this letter. God's indictment of the world is showing why man needs the righteousness of God. Man is condemned because the truth was given to him and because he by his action rejected the truth. And then he says they are without excuse. The things that are made, creation, reveal to all men the eternal power and divine nature of true God, so that the rejection of this truth makes a man without excuse before God. And that's God, the divine nature. Characteristics that distinguish God from all others. So we have an eight. We know there's a God, and then somewhere along the line, people turn away from it. Okay, so in verse uh, 24, uh, we're still in Romans 1. God gave them over. Note the repetition of this phrase in verse 26 and 28. Paul is attacking the flagrant idolatry of the most of the Gentile world in which animals were considered gods. Sexual perversion was prevalent and the sin in general was rampant. Okay, so both lesbian and homosexual activities are condemned in these verses. God only approves of monogamous, heterosexual relationships in marriage condemning adultery before marriage and within marriage. Then it says, give heartily approval to the practice of them. Not only did the people themselves sin, but they encouraged and vicariously enjoyed the sin of others. Wow. This is a very hectic book. Um, That's what it says. That's all I have to say. No more commentary on that one. So let's see. Now I'm going to read. So thank you, God, for having us, uh, giving us this powerful message. It's going to be 
uh, hard for some people to take, and uh, we're just going to rest with what we have learned today. And um, we're going to keep reading to chapter two next week in Romans. And so now I'm I'm going to read out of uh, a little magazine that I really love, not only for the articles, but the pictures are really beautiful. And it's really nice, and it's it's a very reasonable cost. And it's uh, Angels on Earth, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it is published by uh, Guidepost. And let me see how you can get a hold of it. So go to Angels on Earth. Uh, let's see, published on Angels on Earth, 110 William Street, Suite 901, New York, New York. And you can also uh, ask, uh, I guess, by email. So it would be submissions at angelonearth.org. So go to angelsonearth.org or you can find them on the Internet. So let's just randomly turn into, let's see, just a story. Okay, so this one I had picked up is actually, seems to me right now, about... Uh, about Christmas. Okay, so this is called Midnight Delivery. And I brought many babies into this world. This one I'll never forget. This is by Stephen Huffman from Leavenworth, Washington. Babies don't follow a 9-to-5 schedule, so how could obstetricians? I was asleep when the phone woke me in the early hours of Sunday morning in December back in the 1980s. You're on call, my wife said, shoving me towards the phone. I was so sleepy it took a few seconds to understand that the person on the line was telling me a midwife at the Evergreen Motel. With her was an Amish couple from the community about three hours away. The woman was in labor. I worked for Dr. Whitman, she explained. I tried to call him, but there was no answer, and the service connected me to you. Dr. Whitman and I had covered each other's patients whenever needed, but I wasn't familiar with the midwives of the Amish community. Dr. Whitman's out of town doing some Christmas shopping, I said. I'm attending a mother in the last stages of labor, she explained. Everything was going well, but then I lost the baby's heart tone. I can't pick them up with the stethoscope, and I need Dr. Whitman's Doppler to make sure everything's okay. No heart tones, I said. Now I was fully awake. The Doppler used echoes to pick up the heart sounds, often finding tones of the stethoscope had missed. This is a good time to take the couple to the hospital, I said. I'll meet you there. The midwife insisted I come to the hotel room. The couple had chosen the place because it was close to the hospital in case of an emergency, but they hoped to avoid it. I want to honor their wishes, the midwife said. If I can just hear the heartbeat, I'd feel better. Maybe she would feel better, but I wouldn't. I drove out to the motel imagining what I would say to Dr. Whitman when he returned. How could he put me in this position? The Evergreen was a small mom-pa hotel tucked behind the Biscuit Cafe three blocks from the rural hospital where I worked at Libby, Montana. There was only one car in the lot, and the ne- though the neon sign read no vacancy. I walked up to the room where my, with my Doppler, my breathing misting in the air, and knocked. Thanks for coming, the midwife said. I still haven't found a heartbeat, but she's almost fully dilated. The motel bedspread was covered with sterile green surgical sheets. On top lay a young woman, her hair in a bun covered with a plain white bonnet. She wore a dark blue linen dress, and her husband had a full beard and a clean upper lip. I thank thee for coming, he said, and went back to whispering what seemed like a prayer. He, like the midwife, seemed to be complete faith that they were in good hands. I tucked the earpiece of the Doppler 
in my ear, and in a few moments, I picked up the reassuring squish, squish of a normal fetal heartbeat. The baby sounds fine, I said, relieved. You can bring the Doppler back to the hospital after, I said, handing it to the midwife. I put on my coat and reached for the doorknob. Dr. Huffman, wait, wait, the midwife said. Something wasn't right. I put on my gloves and checked the birth canal. The baby was midway down, but when I reached up and out with my fingers, instead of feeling the top of a head, I felt a nose, mouth, and eyes. It's a face presentation, I said. Oh, that happened to me with my firstborn, my daughter. My voice was calm and steady, but inside I was terrified. In a normal birth, a baby comes out of the womb head first, face turned down, the best position from which to navigate curved birth canal. In rare situations, so rare, I'd actually never seen one myself, a baby came down the, the face-pointed forward position, unable to negotiate the curve. The results could be serious, even fatal for the mother and child. I pulled the midwife aside. We have to get her to the hospital, I said. You can't turn the head yourself, said the, said the nurse. With each contraction, the head is getting wedged deeper in the canal, I said. The neck's bending unnaturally. The normal birth is practically impossible. She needs an emergency C-section. It's my call. I grabbed the phone and mentally calculating how long it would take the C-section team to get to the hospital with all its modern equipment. All the people had... I had was me. I glanced over my shoulder, and the husband was still calmly praying beside his silent wife. For a second, I envied his ignorance about obstetrics. How else would he explain his faith? Doctor, look. The young Amish mother still hadn't uttered a word, but her jaw was clenched. An unmistakable sign that she was pushing out the baby. No, that is only makes things worse, I said helplessly, hanging up the phone and running to her. At the opening of the birth canal, a nose and two puffy eyelids appeared. There was no turning back now. Push, I said, slipping in my new pair of gloves. Like an unexpected miracle, the baby's head popped out, followed by a tiny body. She let out a cry that was music to my ears. I examined the infant. Her little face was swollen like a pumpkin, but that was expected, and we would go, would go away in a few days. Other than that, she was fine. I placed the baby on her mother's. Chest. Thank you, Lord, said the midwife, looking up. Lord, we thank thee for our daughter and our safe delivery, the father said, and for the help you have provided to these people. I stumbled out to the parking lot. Morning had broken. The parking lot was covered with fresh, white, powdery snow. As I stood there blinking at it, church bells started to ring. I'd forgotten it was Sunday, and who was in charge? Everywhere, at all hours, night and day. And this is the afterglow. Stephen Huffman lived in rural Montana the Christmas he visited the Evergreen Motel. Today he lives in Washington State and works in sports medicine. His, focus, his new focus gives him more time for hiking and photography, two hobbies he came to love in Montana. Sometimes Stephen hikes into the Cascades with friends. They get a little patient when I want to stop and take pictures, he says, but every time I take out my tripod, they groan. So when he really wants to get good shots, Stephen hikes with a more forgiving companion, his dog, Sydney. Anyway, there's a picture of Dr. Huffman on duty, and he's just a regular dude. And what a beautiful story. And, and that's actually the story of my daughter, too, because I had a little girl. And she did, uh, I had her by C-section, but um, all is well. I was just so young that uh, when I showed up for the hospital, I was, first of all, I was at home, uh, I remember sitting there, and I had some desire to eat a can of sardines, which I did. 
And then I remember pacing and pacing, and my stomach hurt, and I was starting to pace. You know, I was only 16 at the time, and uh, I was starting to pace, and finally I called my mother, and uh, when I called my mom, I told her how I felt. She said, honey, you're in labor. And I was like, what, labor? And uh, she said, yeah, you're going to go to the hospital. So I remember my husband got up, and I said, honey, and I woke him up, and we went to the hospital, and I remember checking in at the front desk, and all of a sudden, I saw them pull up a wheelchair, and uh, I went, what is the wheelchair for? And the uh, nurse said, well, come on, get in it, because we're going to go into the labor room. You're in labor. And I remember looking at it, and I all of a sudden, I just changed my mind. And I said to her, uh, you know what, I changed my mind. I'm going home. Uh, I'm not ready to have this kid. And she looked at me, and she got mad at me, and she said, don't you know that once labor starts, the baby's coming? It's too late for that now. I was so shocked, so I had to go in and have a baby. So anyway, she was afraid of presentation. They did an emergency C-section after 15 hours of labor. And But my daughter now has three children today, and her middle uh, son has a little son. So God bless my family and how much of it's grown and everything else. And God bless you all. Really, and I want to thank uh, everybody for being here this morning and listening. And so we just did Romans one one, and I want to God bless you for listening and being with me and making this a beautiful morning. It has been raining. I don't know uh, where you are, how the weather is. It's probably very cold uh, here in California. It's been raining all night and all day, and still the sun's trying to peep out, and the birds are trying to come out once in a while to get the seed I had have uh, put over on the lawn. And uh, they, it's, it's a beautiful day to me because we need this lovely rain. So let's have a closing prayer together. That's our traditional prayer. As we all bow our heads and say together, after a moment of silent meditation for a person who is still suffering, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the thing I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. So come back tomorrow when we will be reading the first chapter of Romans, and we'll be doing two, Romans 2. And in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms, that may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. God loves you, and may your best dreams come true, and true love live in your heart. Remember, you can message me, you can speak to me on Facebook, and you can follow us every Sunday as we go through the whole Bible. We have started from the beginning of the Gospels, and now we're up to Romans, and we're going to continue on to the end. And God bless you, everybody, and love you very much, and have a great week ahead, and be blessed, and try to keep your chin up and be happy no matter what's happening, and love you very much. God bless.